Welcome to Saturday Morning Coffee. Um, I'm going to break with what I've been doing the last couple uh, times, and I'm just going to be talking about basically a single subject. Um, focused on uh, last night's Nuggets game, uh, the Nuggets lost to the uh, the, the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers in an overtime game, and uh, I'm it, it's going to be one where we kind of break down what went wrong, but two specific things. But before I get started on that, I want to talk about the the weird discourse involving Will Barton. Uh, Will Barton had a rough, rough game. Um, while he did hit a uh, go-ahead shot in overtime, uh, Barton, by and large, uh, struggled. Um, not only did he struggle on offense, but he struggled on uh, defense in in a way that I don't think has been really fully talked about in the discourse that has followed the game. And uh, I kind of want to talk about Barton and where how the fans talk about him, how the media talks about him, and why it is it is strange. And I think I think we have come to the point with Barton where it has gone through a largely terrible stretch of basketball the last month where we can talk about him in a logical way that is reflective of his role, um, rather than it resorting to the slings and arrows of, of calling each other idiots. Um, Will Barton had a, a, a really, really rough shooting game last night, and um, the team actually needed him to make shots. But I don't think if we're going to talk about Will Barton and we're going to talk about what his role is as opposed to, I think Matt Moore has pointed out he's playing a role that he is, uh, if, if this team wasn't full of injuries right now, he would not be playing, which is fair. But it was also a very, very uh, big caveat to the whole thing with that, him playing above his role is that the complaints about Will Barton have been consistent regardless of what role he plays. And I think this is where we kind of go into what part of the discourse are you on. I My feeling on, on Bill, Will Barton is very much um, consistent over the years. Is that when he plays like Will Barton, he's fine. When he tries to play like someone else, he's not. And it's the nights where Will Barton exceeds what... He, the Will Bartonness of it, and which is hard to explain, but we all know who Will Barton is as a player. It's the times where he exceeds that or goes in different directions. It's like last year after Jamal was uh, went down with his knee injury, uh, there was a stretch where Will Barton was trying to be Jamal Murray, um, and it worked for a game and a half maybe, and then uh, the the rest of the NBA was like, no, you're Will Barton, you're not Jamal Murray, and they started guarding him differently. And the the the, the quote the two man game between Jokic and Barton did not succeed. Um, there are just certain things that uh, Will Barton can do and is very good at, and uh, being a guy who can uh, maybe get a basket and a pinch. Uh, has been kind of his thing, but he is not a star player. He is a very good role player. Um, and very good role players, uh, as you know, Matt Moore once again will point out, is that we're, you know, people who have gone outside or, or have to be in a station above their role 
um, kind of struggle and it kind of hyper amplifies their faults. Um, but here's the, the, the dig here. Will Barton's faults are his faults. They have not gone away. They have been the same things that we have seen through the entire seven years he's been with the Denver Nuggets. Um, it, it is it is the same. Will Barton is is very consistently um, the same player. He has got very loud wrongs, and he has got very subtle and very good things he does for the team. And how this affects the discourse has been fascinating to me. Um, the discourse surrounding Will Barton, much like his role right now, exceeds who he is as a player. Um, there is no reason there needs to be any sort of vitriol di directed at Will Barton in a way that is not befitting who he is or what he does on the team. And I really do believe that that has, particularly on Twitter um, and various other spots online, has has exceeded who he is. Um, he is not a guy who uh, deserves any sort of that of that level of, I mean, frankly, no one deserves it. Um, I, but in a, in a grand sense, if we're talking about, about uh, people who deserve a, a, a ton of criticism, um, Will Barton is a victim largely of circumstance as the nuggets are right now with Jamal Murray out. Um, I don't think Will Barton destroys a team. I think Will Barton is very good for a Denver Nuggets team. He's very well liked. Uh, he's a good locker room guy. Um, there are great attributes to Will Barton. And I think that gets lost in the vitriol. On the other side, we have to point out the over-defense of Will Barton. Um, Will Barton also, as much as he doesn't deserve to be criticized the way he does in such a vehement and very nasty manner that he does get, get criticized... Um, he doesn't deserve a, a dedicated defense league either, which seems to be, according to many, comprised mostly of media. And we get into a, uh, what I think is a pretty uh, disconcerting role where the media in Denver is perceived as caping for someone. Um, and I think that is not should not be something where the where the media out here should be perceived as as over defending someone that doesn't deserve whatever sort of defense. Um, I tend to come to the defense of Michael Porter Jr. a lot, but there's not a ton in the uh, in, in Denver media that do. Um, but that is something I do. That is not a fault of the the media, nor is it a fault of the criticism he gets as fans. And I think our tendency in certain circles to kind of treat people who are seeing a lot of Will Barton's faults and getting upset of it, uh, we're, we treat them like morons. And I think that is really wrong, and I think it makes the discourse worse. Um, there is no reason that Will Barton should be getting that sort of both defense and vehemence Will Barton is a, is a good role player who was put in a bad position and um, he needs to be judged on the player he is and not the player you wish he would be or wish he wasn't. And I think 
you know, this sounds like you're coming down the middle on this sort of thing. And, and I, I guess I am. But the discourse has been extremely poisonous. And it, and it really bugs me because it, it, there, there's no reason that there should be, um, you know, this shouldn't be the Battle of Helm's Deep in uh, 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 The Lord of the Rings or The Two Towers, excuse me. There, there shouldn't this shouldn't be like this. You know, Will Barton is not a guy who needs to be have this sort of vehemence or or a lot of um, defense that that he gets. There's just there's just no reason. He is a role player who has flaws that get amplified in certain situations, and we and and we and for some reason we can't seem to just judge him on that basis. And 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 I think that is where we are kind of losing the plot on our own here, folks. Um, I will come in, I, I last night, uh, specifically uh, with the, against the Cavs, uh, Aaron Gordon, while he scored more, was equally as, as bad as uh, Will Barton. And I, I think both guys, to be quite honest with you, are greatly affected by how they feel. Um, I don't think Aaron Gordon is 100%. I think Will Barton is starting to break down a bit as the ga- as the season rolls on. Both guys are probably very much in need of a break. Um there is a uh I mean Bar- just Gordon had just crazy turnovers and uh wasn't wasn't able to get in front of Garland which I'm going to get to in the second half of this podcast about how he wasn't helped by his coach um but there's just there was a so uh, there was just so many things that both of the guys did and Gordon didn't get near the criticism that Will Barton did uh, because Will Barton's mistakes as have always been his entire career here in Denver were extremely loud and it's just who he is as a player. And I don't, and I think, I think if we're going to talk about Will Barton, we're going to talk about uh, guys who are like Faku Campasso. There, there shouldn't be a, uh, a loud defense brigade or a vehement uh, anti um, borderline awful criticism of him. There, there shouldn't be. There's just, they're just, these guys do not deserve that sort of thing. They are cogs in the wheel. And I think we would all do ourselves a great absolutely great uh, disservice if we don't accept this. And I think that part is going to, I hope, I hope eventually we get to the point where we, when we ever, we look back on this and, and we look back on Will Barton in his time as a Denver Nuggets player, we look at him and say, you know, he was good for what he was. He was one of, uh, put him in the line of, any number of the of the role players who have come through 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 Denver, who made actual an actual mark, and Will Barton's had great moments. A game winner against Chicago a few years ago. I mean, the the guys had great moments, and he's had some terrible moments. It it is just what it is. People need to calm the f down, is what I'm saying. And I think if we do that, the more we realize that uh, we will be better. And on the other side of the break, I'm going to talk about how he was let down. He and um, Aaron Gordon were let down by their coach in a way that I have been discussing for a while, but I'm going to get into more in depth on the other side of the break. But first, 
Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th, and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. If you fancy yourself a uh, um, connoisseur of wine, go down there. Um, The dairy block is a beautiful location. You can sit outside. You know, weather's starting to get better. Sitting outside is uh, an option. Like it's an option where you can also feel safer if you're not wanting to go inside and be around people. It really is great. But you can also go to bfwdenver.com, pick yourself a bottle of wine. The 2017 Cabernet is my personal favorite. The Blake Street Blend. Um, they got whites. They got uh, rosés. They get you. Know, they're they're a wine bar. But not only are they the wine bar, they they make their own wines, and they're the some of the best in Denver. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwdenver.com. You can book yourself a virtual wine tasting there or pick yourself up a bottle. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. Okay, we've... The discourse on Michael Malone is interesting because I think he's had a poor year of coaching. Um, I'm more critical of him than most people. I'm definitely more critical than of him than certain members of the media, um, and I accept that. And I probably am too critical. I now let's let's be let's face this. I'm probably too critical of Malone. Um, I tend to see his faults a lot more than other people tend to. And I think that part is something that I need to work on. And, and quite frankly, it is something that I need to uh, uh, be more aware that I'm doing. Um, however, last night was uh, a special instance of something that has been happening since about, oh, well, his entire career here in Denver, but has happened in several glaring moments here in uh, this year. And um, there is the Peter principle with, um, with uh, Michael Malone, where you can, you know, it, there is the, you're only as strong as your weakest fault, basically. And Michael Malone's weakest fault is tunnel vision. Yes, he's a hothead. Yes, he's got these other things that we we don't like, but he's got a lot of great attributes too. Uh, his players seem to like him. Uh, he tends to uh, engender loyalty with these players, uh, and uh, he definitely changed the culture of a team that had, let's just to put it mildly, a terrible culture by the time he was hired. Um, and these are all tremendous, tremendous attributes. However... Malone's faults have been consistent and have not changed through his entire time in Denver. And one of the glaring ones, which I think rear its ugly heads in inopportune moments, are his tunnel vision. Um, there is no reason uh, Will Barton, as badly as he's pl- he was playing, should have been in the game the way he was. Uh, after the game, it, uh, people were assuming that Monte Morris, uh, the whole Monte Morris being out thing, uh, was a reflection with well, on Busy Bones, uh, on uh, on Bones Highland, who uh, frankly deserved to be out there as well as he was playing. That has had nothing to do with Monte Morris and Bones Highland. However, uh, Will Barton had done up to that point absolutely zero to deserve being out there. And they really needed someone to get in front of Garland. Uh, 
that is where Austin Rivers would have come in handy. And it also would have helped uh, Aaron Gordon, uh, particularly since he had got largely the job of, of guarding both Karis Levert and Garland. Um, it would have got him some relief. And I was a little perplexed as to why specifically Austin Rivers wasn't out there. Um, and, you know, you could make the argument that uh, Jeff Green probably didn't do a lot to deserve to be out there uh, either. Um, I think Malone's thinking was likely because of size uh, and rebounding. Um, I'm going to just kind of point this out here. Rebounding was circled a lot. Uh, a lot of that was, uh, some of it was Nikola Jokic kind of lazily going up for rebounds. Uh, I think he did that on two or three possessions. Um, some of it, and most of it, was the uh, specifically Garland getting in the lane. And I think, I think that is a reflection of of a of a of an issue that Michael Malone has. He was so focused on getting bones in there that he kind of forgot how badly Barton was playing. And then to a certain extent, how Jeff Green being out there was affecting everything. Jeff Green is not a rebounder. He has never been a rebounder his entire career. I, I, I just don't understand a lot. He's, he is six foot ten. He is not a rebounder, right? Um, but the Nuggets don't have a lot of rebounding options outside of Boogie Cousins or Jamichael Green. So it makes you wonder that why he didn't go with the lineup that closed the Philly game, which was Bones, uh, Monte, uh, Jamichael Green, and those guys. I don't, he got, you could tell that he was so stuck on this particular thing, which I think featured Bones, that he couldn't think of what he did just a game and a half, two games before against Philly, a, a much better team, by the way, than the, than the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, the, and if I'm going to level a criticism at Michael Malone, it is, it is that his tunnel vision in several instances this year has really affected the team poorly. Um, twice playing Faku Campasso uh, 17 straight minutes, game minutes, which was, which was absolutely, asinine beyond all reason um there was no reason for um him to be out there that long well here is another sense where bones highland closes the game which was the right call because he was one of the few people who could break things down but the other two players that were featured in this morass were 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 not helping Uh, jamichael green definitely would have helped in with rebounding and uh, uh, getting Austin Green out there probably would have helped Aaron Gordon out, not have to basically cover two players. And having those two guys out there in a uh, in that situation really had affected the rebounding. Will Barton um, not calling out? Uh, I, I, I mentioned this. I, I alluded to this in the in the first segment, and I didn't get to it, but. Will Barton defensively was just awful. And him not calling out that someone was behind Jokic uh, when he got the ball stolen um, late in the game was just, it was atrocious. There was a lot of that going on, which is just, it, it was, it was kind of, 
perplexing to see. And what made the thing worse, what made the thing worse was how it was. I, I, I don't think we could say, sit here and say we could coach better. We could position these players better or anything like that. But what we can say is that with the benefit of hindsight, if your problem is is rebounding specifically and blocking out and defense on the perimeter, your best perimeter guard defender and your your second, you know, and an, an a guy who can help you rebounding more than Jeff Green were sitting on the bench. And that is where things broke down. And I think that if we're going to look at a... Um, the things that happened, it was largely a result of Malone not seeing this. And that is tunnel vision. And I don't know how to cure that. I don't know how Malone can get beyond this because this has happened over and over and over and over. And the, the, the issue I have is it will get to the point where it's going to, the Nuggets, even at their full strength, won't be able to overcome it. Right now, the Nuggets, particularly Nikola Jokic, is is that talented. But if we get to a point where you can't overcome the tunnel vision, I, I don't know what to say. So you know, Malone has a ton of great coaching attributes, but he's got these faults that come out in these moments, and it, and it really, really is disturbing to see. Um, but I, 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 we'll see. We'll see. They, they play the Boston Celtics at home on Sunday. Um, so maybe they can get back on the beam. Uh, thank you for joining for me for this Saturday morning coffee. I haven't even taken a drink of this coffee. Hold on a sec before I go. Mm. All right. Thank you all for joining me on the latest Saturday morning coffee. I will be back uh, next week with another episode. See ya.